Live from the Great White North, this is the Canadian Investor, where you take control of your own portfolio and gain the confidence you need to succeed in the markets. Hosted by Braden Dennis and Simon Belanger. The Canadian Investor Pod. Well, 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 it is December 10th of 2020. And if you go back to episode 5, which was about this time in 2019, you can hear Simon and I take some fiery, hot, bold predictions for the year of 2020. Uh, you can tell that the podcast quality has drastically improved. So, uh, Simon, let's pat ourselves on the back for that first. Yeah, definitely. But <laughs> I'm looking, I listened to the episode today. And um, let's just say Simon has a crystal ball. And anytime Simon says something, you should probably listen because you did you did really well. You did. Let's not kid ourselves. You did really well, Simon. I think I, I kind of I hit two out of three. I would say two out of three predicting anything for the year of twenty twenty. I'd say is uh, a supremely good batting average. So before we go into what those were as a recap and, and how we landed on on those results, let's talk about all the things that we you know did not expect. You know, th- we're not going to sit here and talk about oh, twenty twenty was such a weird year. You're hearing that enough already on uh, whatever other podcast you're listening to and. and and whatever conversation on the street. So let, let's not, let's get that out of the way first. Obviously, the pandemic, uh, you know, no one predicted that, of course, right? So, but what was very unexpected is what happened in financial markets during a pandemic. Now, that's very uh, unexpected. And if you were to have known that this would happen in the year of 2020 and short the stock market. And if you were still holding on to that short, you lost money. Now that is something that is very surprising. Um, and, and why you don't bet against stocks. So, so I mean, what were some standouts that you thought were unexpected for this year? Um, well, yeah, obviously pandemic. I remember last December, I had read a couple articles on COVID-19 in China, but obviously I thought it'd be just something very local, like probably I'm sure you did and everyone else did. Um, I th- it was like the SARS scare where that was like really scary for a week and then it just kind of went away. Oh, yeah. That's, that's what I thought it was going to be like. Yeah, and I remember listening to podcasts in January and there was a topic economists uh for zax that was talking and he was like oh it's just gonna be another sars and everything's gonna get back to normal in no time and stuff so obviously uh he had it wrong we probably all had it wrong regarding that but uh specific for the pandemic for me really what stood out is the amount of stimulus um that the governments did um so i pulled a few figures um the the packages that canada did but the u.s but also pretty much all the nations around the world, or at least the industrialized nations, is really astonishing when you look at the numbers. So Canada, which is not a huge economy, um, Canada did, including the tax breaks and tax relief that they did, about $400 billion in stimulus package for this year. Um, so that's why there's a deficit of over $300 billion. Um, that represents 60% of the GDP. 
Um, and the U.S., even though they're still in talk for a, a new stimulus package, including tax relief, $3.5 trillion in the U.S., or 13% of their GDP. And um, in terms of percentage of GDP, Japan's actually the highest. They're close to 20%. Uh, I mean, it's just, I guess I underestimated how governments would act in the face of a really serious economic crisis like the the pandemic uh, triggered. Um, And I'll go a bit more in terms of my bold predictions in what I think this could do. Uh, medium and long term personally uh, but that's really one of the things that stood out um, just just a sheer magnitude of those figures yeah the the stimulus packages and the obscene amounts of money printing i mean the debasement of the dollars is in the amount of trillions that is quite astonishing uh, in terms of percentage of dollars that exist already. Uh, so that debasement of the dollar is kind of nuts for one year. And um, yeah, so we've seen how people react or how nations are reacting to this. And it's uh, it's, it's a lot of stimulus and a lot of printing. So that's been very, very surprising. Uh, IPOs. So today, DoorDash and Airbnb had some fiery hot IPOs, both closing much, much above the initial price, Uh, Airbnb especially, holy crap. I've been seeing some pretty funny jokes online about, you know, they set the the price of Airbnb listing at $68, but once you include the service fees and cleaning fees... It closes at 150. <laughs> I thought That's that was pretty. pretty <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever. Um, who would have thought there would be so many IPOs, so many merger and acquisition, so like these reverse SPAC mergers? It just seemed very, very unlikely. Uh, several months before it started becoming very, very common, and you're seeing investment banks like Morgan Stanley hit. All-time highs today. Uh, some of these investment banks are, are crushing it in this IPO, uh, you know, bonanza. So that was very, very unexpected to me. Yeah, and not only another tailwind for the investment bank is all that money coming in, and all the like low interest rates is called. What's that's creating is the the debt market is really cheap, so they're obviously issuing a lot of uh, debt on the bond market. So that's also another tailwind with the investment banks. But to get back to Moody's Corporation, yeah, one of my most boring favorite holdings. Yeah, and just DoorDash and Airbnb, those are just really two good example. Like you just look at that, like Airbnb. We were talk texting about it, and it's trading at above twenty times sales of twenty nineteen. So pre pandemic, um, whether that makes sense or not, I'm gonna go on a limb and say no. And DoorDash, I mean, it's just another delivery service. That one, I really do not understand. Like it's been proven time and time again. They just, I mean, I think as a hobby, they like to burn money. I think that's like part of the business plan. I, I just, just the gasoline and just oh my god, light it on fire. <laughs> exactly. Like I don't get it. I don't understand why anyone like specifically DoorDash, Airbnb. You can probably make a case and try to 
make me understand the, the reasoning behind it. But DoorDash, like I do not understand why anyone would touch that unless you're a trader and you're good at spotting patterns or something like that. But that's not what we do, obviously. Yeah, so I don't look at them the same because DoorDash, I'm with you. I mean, they compete on price, these services. And you know how I feel about businesses competing on price, like pass. Thank you. Airbnb, though, like part of me goes, okay, this this IPO price stands for it's probably overpriced IPO. And then part of me thinks this is like a generational type product market fit with that with the business so i'm somewhere in between uh but as simon and i talk about you know you don't have to own ipos to have exceptional returns in the stock market you can wait a while you can wait decades you have so much time on your side and um this just comes back to you know long-term investing don't need that FOMO, even though there's just so much confusion out there. So many things trying to to tell you what should matter and shouldn't matter uh, in your investment portfolio. And when you have a lot of time, you don't have to worry about all that kind of stuff. So what is a big takeaway from 2020 is trying to guess short-term movements and price action is Almost impossible uh, because here we see stocks crushing it um, in 2020. You know, after that pretty brutal March where if you were listening to Simon and I and buying stocks like like I was and like you were, then you you performed exceptionally. But you just don't, don't bet against the stock market because it doesn't work. And this is a very, very prime example of of why you should stay optimistic long-term and just uh, ignore the noise. You know, look at your investment portfolio a little less often. You'll probably do a little better. So, I mean, let's pivot. 2020 recap. Uh, I'll I'll say, you know, one that points that I'm looking at right away and the fact that you on the air, and this is the good thing about a podcast, is this this is time-stamped, and we can pull this segment. You said that you think in 2020 there will be a market correction of 20% at least, and you said perhaps even over 30%. Uh, where's the crystal ball? Are you doing ding, some ding, ding, sort ding. of time? Are you doing some sort of time machine? Uh, What's going on? How did you know this? I mean, I just, I uh, just felt like oh, we the market was due. That was just, uh, that was just my reasoning behind it. Um, market corrections do happen a lot more often than people think, and when they happen, people tend to. I, when I say people, I'm not talking about our listener. I'm talking about the general population. But people tend to panic a little bit um, and forget that these are are fairly frequent occurrences. So that that was the the basis of my prediction that we we had a big bull run and the the stock was due um, to have a, a pullback. Obviously, uh, not factoring in the the pandemic and everything, and then the uh, the bull run afterwards. But uh, yeah, that that's why I did the I said that prediction. Yeah, and it's it's good to know too, right? If if we were 
11 years into a bull market run. And, you know, when stocks continue to only go up, new investors forget that market corrections happen and they are completely normal. They happen very regularly, uh, more than people remember. And uh, it's good to it's good to experience that. Hopefully you didn't act irrationally, but it is good to experience that. Uh, what else did you have there? Uh, you you had three. Yeah. So the uh, the second one I had was um, marijuana space troubles. I was saying bankruptcies, buyouts, or not necessarily buyouts, but mergers between um, different companies. There there be a lot of shakeup in that sector, and obviously there has been a lot of shakeups. I, there hasn't been any major bankruptcies, but we've seen Aurora Cannabis do uh, a reverse split. I don't exactly remember the ratio, but that's never a good thing. Um, we've seen Canopy and a bunch of the other producers uh, slash jobs. Canopy just slashed 200 jobs, uh, I think it was a couple of days ago, um, and reduce their operations because they just uh, they overestimated the Canadian market as a whole. Um, I've talked about EXO before, which have been issuing new shares like it's um, just printing money, basically, and that's diluting shareholders. So it's not been very good. They're all losing money. They're still not profitable. Um, who knows if they will be profitable, at least not until the U.S. market probably uh, becomes legal on the federal level. Um, so I think, I mean, Overall, I think that was a pretty accurate uh, prediction. Uh, the writing was on the wall for those businesses, and uh, I think it'll the rough patch will continue in 2021, in my opinion. Yeah, I just looked. Uh, Aurora did a 12 for 1 reverse split in May. Yeah. <laughs> 12 for 1. So when you see that, I mean, red flag, red flag. Yeah. It's right? usually, that's, that's what should be triggered. It's usually when they want to stay listed on an exchange. So uh, often, like the big exchanges, usually they'll have a minimum price. And uh, if companies don't keep their share price, I think it's for like an average of 30 days or something like that. Uh, above that level, they get delisted. Um, so I don't know the full reasoning behind it, but I suspect that uh, they did not want to get delisted on one of the major exchanges. My big flex on predicting things in the marijuana space was right before legalization, October of 2018, I had a elaborate blog post talking about uh, sales multiples of over 200 for a company that only sells you know, weed primarily in Canada and some in Europe uh, should, should not be allowed. And now when I moved to Stratosphere 2 on the new platform, those dates got moved to me posting them this year. Uh, so that sucks for me, but that's okay. Um, Simon, you, you also had one thought about SNC. Yeah, SNC Lavalin. Um, so the uh, I guess the once uh, Quebec darling of engineering, um, they're still alive. So my prediction was that they would be bought out or be bankrupt. So they still haven't been bought out. Um, they're not doing all that well. So at least there's that. Um, their share price has been pretty. You could have just been a little bit early. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely true. I mean, I <laughs> I searched before we started recording just to see. I mean, they're still getting contracts here and there. Nothing like they used to. It used to be D name. I guess now would be. Um, your uh, your new darling, I guess the uh, the 
Double, WSP baby. WSP. I guess they're they're pretty much in the same field, right? Yeah, engineering. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, we'll see where SNC Lavalin goes. Uh, I mean, I know a lot of people are employed by them, so I don't wish that they go bankrupt or anything like that. And obviously, I grew up in in Quebec, so I wish all their employees the best of luck. Uh, but I their share price. Just looking at that as a, as a quick glance, I mean, it's been pretty much sideways since last year even though the overall market has done pretty well but they're still alive and i mean we'll see what happens in 2021 um they're not doing great but they're still not bankrupt or haven't been bought up well that's pretty good you know two out of three you nailed uh you, you got those just bang on like no no asterisks on those that you were you were bang on so Mine were <laughs> not as successful. <laughs> let's just let's just let's just go there. That's not good. Successful. I said that uh, fast food, healthy fast food restaurant franchise owner Freshy was going to get bought out. I mentioned MTY Food Group as potentially taking them out. Uh, yeah, that didn't happen. Uh, Freshy has been, in my mind. A absolute disaster of an IPO story. Uh, it IPO'd February twenty seventh, uh, February third, sorry, of twenty seventeen at fourteen dollars and forty four cents. It trades for a dollar seventy seven Canadian t- today, uh, which is an eighty seven point seven four percent loss of the share price uh, since they IPO'd in early of twenty seventeen. So, not great. I thought the brand was strong. I thought it was growing. I thought the pieces were there for someone to come in and 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 just get it there, you know, just push it. Uh, no one has touched it. So, you know what? I, I, I still think they are an acquisition target. Um, perhaps I'm a little bit early. Uh, so another one was I thought that Apple's, you know, 150-odd billion cash pile would be set to do something massive. And I was talking about the, the, the massive scale of what we just saw last week with Salesforce buying Slack for $36 billion, I believe was the number. That kind of massive scale is what I was expecting from Apple's huge cash pile. So that's what I was expecting. What did they do? They made a bunch of small moves in AR and VR instead, augmented and virtual reality instead, and very, very small deals. What did they do instead? Well, they did what they always do and buy back over $70 billion worth of their stock. So Apple had quite the run earlier this year, and um, I think the stock is quite attractive here, to be honest, but... This business is pumping out so much cash, like we've never seen anything like it. Uh, and what kind of company can buy back $70 billion worth of stock and still have this outrageous cash pile? And, and that is Apple. So I still think, you know, this is another one of those. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give the caveat of, you know, something big is going to probably happen or should happen. Um, and so we're still we're still waiting for that. Uh, Simon, congrats! You win. You won twenty twenty. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna make even uh, wilder predictions, as you know, for for 2021. So if those are if those come true, I think I'm just gonna become a a psychic and uh, yeah, just start you know telling fortunes for people and stuff. You know what? I'm looking at them, and they are I, 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 <laughs> I, 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 I hate them, but I think you're gonna be right, and that's uh, just the state of the market these days. All right, what's number one? Okay, so the first one, um, I think this one is pretty. It's probably the least bold of all three. Um, so I think the bond market will trail the returns from stocks by at least twenty percent, and that that's weird that I'm saying that because I feel like stocks overall are quite overvalued. But it goes back to the uh, when I was talking about all these stimulus packages and the money that the governments are uh, pumping into the economy. Um, and those low interest rates, it really, it really feels like the only way people can get returns on their money is stocks or real estate. I would say is another option that people could get good returns on their money, uh, potentially cryptocurrency, like I've mentioned before. Um, but it really feels like bonds will not fare all that well. Um, I mean, I guess it's possible that interest rates go into the negative, and that would definitely help um, bond funds and things like that because that'll make the price of bonds uh, go higher. But um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't. I think you're just uh, kind of hoping for keeping your money up to par if you're putting money into bonds uh, as high as stocks may seem right now and as crazy as some of the valuations may seem so that's my bold prediction and next year we will measure it around this time of year i will take uh, the vanguard um, one of the vanguard broad bond uh, market uh, etf and just compare it to one of the uh, low cost s p 500 um, just see the difference between the two yeah, it's a it's a good point. Uh, in it's why I mention for people who are looking for that fixed income, bonds just really is going to be a tough place uh, to be completely honest. So, and this is not my opinion. This is pretty much consensus from everyone. So, there are in a book I read many years ago called Buffetology, which is. Uh, basically a compilation of all of Warren Buffett's shareholder letters trying to put up with what we believe is Warren Buffett's strategy put down into one book. I forget who the author is, a shame on me, but it's called Buffettology. And he talks about stock bonds being a good place for income. And what he calls stock bonds are basically companies that pay nice nice safe dividends and have very low beta like a company that he has in his portfolio that matches this description exactly is called verisign uh verisign is a company that owns the dot com uh ip i think the ticker is vrsn yeah vrsn trades on the nasdaq they own the Internet root server name of .com. Uh, it's a $30 billion in, in market cap company. And all it does is pretty much go up very steadily and has very low beta. And, you know, th these things exist. Um, I'm looking here, and I'm a goofball because I don't think VeriSign pays a dividend. How about you just 
you just don't listen to that part. What I'm trying to get at is there are lots of low beta dividend stocks for income that you don't need to, to be you know, in that traditional 60-40 bond allocation that ven- many financial advisors have thrown their clients into for, for decades. You know, that's, that cookie cutter 60-40 is not a rule that needs to be lived by by anyone in this bond environment. So that's a good point, Simon. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's a good example of those, in my opinion, is, is telecoms. So they, Perfect. yeah, they'll, they won't, they're not very volatile. Yes, they have a decent amount of debt, but usually very stable cash flows, reoccurring revenues pays a, a nice dividend. Um, another one I've talked about it before, a digital realty trust compared to Equinix. DLR is probably a better kind of bond-like play in terms of a higher dividend deal, but you can find quite a bit of them. Uh, utilities, great example as well. So there are companies that, like Braden said, they're low beta, lower risk. They'll give you a good income. Um, reality is, like, just you're not going to get much out of bonds. If anything, you'll lose money in bonds because the actual value of your money, even though it might increase a little bit, it might not follow inflation. Um, because I think there is a high risk that inflation will be going up significantly in the coming years. All that money, all that stimulus package, no one really knows what it's going to to do. And if we go back historically, um, there's a good argument to say that uh, prices will probably be going up and you want to be keeping your buying power. That's really important. The feds will uh, financially manipulate the consumer price index formula anyways and come up with their nice 2%. Yeah, so. we, we probably could do a whole episode on that. Uh, and when we say low beta, we just mean stocks that... Uh, you know, have low volatility. You know, they 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 move around more stable than uh, a wild roller coaster, and do not mix risk and volatility. They're not the same thing. Risk is 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 not the same thing. Risk is real business fundamental risk. Uh, you know, if the company sucks, that's risky. Uh, if the company is very volatile doesn't necessarily mean it's risky but the value of your holdings in the short term will move up and down more frequently so low beta is the opposite of high volatility okay so you think that uh bonds will trail okay i think this is the canadian investor pods i I got a canadian uh i got a canadian one i think canadian industrials uh not to be confused with energy stocks not to be confused with those cheap energy stocks, will be Canada's best performing sector in uh, in 2021. We just talked about WSP. The stock is up 36% this month. They made that big acquisition in, uh, to buy Golder, the environmental consulting firm. I think there's a bunch, there's a lot of different factors that will, that will play into this, but my thesis is construction globally has huge backlogs. There's tons of government infrastructure spending uh, for, as a form of st- stimulus, very cheap rates, you know, cheap money, and uh, a lot of them have an ESG spin onto them as well, which I think is going to be a big flow of capital in 2021, the environmental social governance piece, you know, the, the Brookfield Renewable Energy Partners type of business gets extra flows in 2021 in in my prediction 
So I think this will be the best performing sector. We'll we'll see uh, we'll see next year where it uh, where it where it stands. So some ideas in there are GFL, uh, WSP, and TFI International. I just realized all three of those businesses, their business name is the ticker. Oh, yeah, Very yeah, easy. Right. Yep. Very easy to uh, to follow that. It's GFL, WSP, and TFI. But TFI has an extra I on the ticker, TFII. Um, let's go with yours next because <laughs> you'll well, see why. Just yeah, go. This is one. This one, you guys, everyone listening will be like, what? Did I hear that correctly? Um, so I think Tesla will hit $1 trillion in market cap. And the reason I think that is because I'll be honest, I have no clue what's happening with that stock. So I'm just going to go on a wild just guess and just say I'll keep not understanding what's going on. I'll just keep going up, even though in my mind and logically and all sense and logic within me says that it should probably go down to below 50 billion in market cap um and it's already at 500 billion so what's a double from here that's the way i see it so you know what i'm just gonna piece of cake that's it let's just embrace it tesla one trillion market cap 2021 all right let's cool the jets because (laughs) my bold prediction for 2021 couldn't be more opposite uh so We'll see who's right. I mean, we have a, both of our bases covered here, so one of us should probably be right. And that it is not just Tesla, but EV valuations implode. Uh, it's They make no sense to me. These are car companies. Uh, the fanboys like to tell me that they are renewable energy companies as well. Uh, I work in renewable energy, so I know the sector very well. Uh, so... You can't argue on this one with me. So, you know, they make cars. And GM, Chrysler, Fiat, you know, they trade at like six times earnings. Like, you know, when the multiple expands, they trade at like 12 times or like 11 times earnings at like historical five-year PE medians of, you know, crossing that point. You know, the multiple has been expanding. These businesses, these valuations make no sense. Zero. None. They make no sense, and I think they're going to implode. Uh, and a lot of these, uh, you know, Gen Z TikTokers making these videos about Tesla going to $1 trillion, fueling Simon's bold prediction, I think it all ends very horribly. So, uh, Simon, one of us is probably going to be right. I don't see them doing, I don't see them flatlining for a year. You say Gen Z's and one millennial right here, but uh, no, it's the reason is I think there's no logic behind it. I think people just believe in Elon and his vision, and that's the biggest driver behind the stock. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I, 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 I hope. I hope I'm wrong because, you know, the EV transition is very important. The electrification of combustible engine is very important. And Elon is the guy to, to do it. I, I think he's, you know, one of the most impre- impressive businessmen meets uh, intellectual person ever. Uh, that being said, I think EV valuations uh, just implode at some point. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> 
Um, and don't get me wrong, I would not invest in Tesla or any of the EV um, vehicles uh, manufacturers. Not so. yet, right? Not not not, not until exactly. something majorly changes, right? That's it. Yeah. So the next one and my last bold prediction for 2021 is one that you've probably heard before if you um, have started reading into cryptocurrency, but more specifically Bitcoin. Um, so I'm going to go on a limb and just go on the hype train and say that Bitcoin will hit 100K in 2021. Um, I, I think, Simon, you have you been like on... Uh zoomer tiktok finance lately because you're you're pumping this stuff i love it uh no not really i mean <laughs> no it's just, i know you haven't yeah. i'm just giving you a hard time yeah i mean i think it's uh, i think it's a great technology and i've said it before um i think one of the biggest things for bitcoin that uh, will be a tailwind is the fact that there's a cap supply contrary to our fiat money where the governments can really print money like they want um and there is a lot of uncertainty regarding that, and you never know to what extent they'll be printing money. Um, a Bitcoin is literally the opposite, and it's designed to have a very low inflation, um, just the way that uh, new Bitcoins are created um, without going into too much detail. It's basically when people um, process transactions with their computers. It uh, If they do a certain amount of transaction, they get rewarded, and that's the incentive to keep the whole structure and to keep processing these transaction and uh, I think it has a track record um, obviously in reality I really don't know where the price is going of Bitcoin but it would not surprise me in all honestly if it, it went that high because a lot of people are seeing all that money printing with the governments and they're looking for for somewhere to um, have a store of value and in my opinion it's a great alternative to physical gold I, I tend to tend to agree with you if, if there's all this printing i mean that's only a positive for the price sentiment of of bitcoin and the technology is really cool and if you are to have a store of value of a currency that is not fiat currency i think bitcoin's the best i mean i i'm there with you i i i get the technology i think it's pretty smart and it's a whole lot better than gold. So I would rather be a Bitcoin bug than a gold bug. And if you want to own a small piece of your portfolio in something like that, here's the thing. You won't have to own very much of it if, it's, if you're right. I think, Simon, we were texting yeah. about this, right? Like, you do not own, have to own a lot of this alternative currency, Bitcoin, if it's right, you don't have to have uh, very much in your portfolio to make a big difference, right? Like, that's just how it's going to have to be. Yeah, right? Position it, sizing is huge here. Is it very important? Yeah, exactly. Like, even, like, just something 1%, it's not a big chunk, or 0.5%, whatever you're comfortable with. And if you're not interested in Bitcoin, that's fine, too. Uh, but if you're interested... Start a really small position, see how you react, because it is volatile. That is one thing. Volatility is the name of the game when it comes to cryptocurrency. So if that's an issue with you, uh, make sure you keep your position sizing very small. Yeah, good point. Yeah, the, the position sizing is key. All right, to wrap it up, guys, I have one more. And uh, that is in 2021, 
I think the you know the Fang stocks are more broadly fan mag, which is uh, <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> well, here we go: Facebook, Apple, Netflix, Microsoft, Amazon, Google. Those you know big tech, mega tech. Uh, you know more than a hundred billion in market cap, easily tech. I think that these are going to be looked at as like the boring value stocks next year. And over the last five years, they have absolutely dominated the S&P. Like, as a group, it's not even close how much outperformance. Like, it's, it's, it's a wide margin of outperformance on the S&P 500. And next year and, and in 2022, they're all forecasting, like, huge, huge earnings per share growth. Like, a lot of these companies are, are moving into that, like, pro, like life cycle curve of monster profitability, like real, real EPS growth. And who cares about EPS growth in this market when everyone cares about businesses growing at growing revenues like 40, 50%, uh, new high IPOs, uh, bullshit electric vehicle companies. You know, that's the kind of ecosystem that we're operating in right now. I don't, I don't know when that changes. It, I think it does eventually, but I don't know when that does. And these big tech companies are moving into that mature stage of like gross profits, like bleh, profits. And I think that they're going to be become value stocks. Like no one's they're going to be looked at in a much different light than they have been in the past three years. So that's why I think 2021 is actually going to be a great year to buy those big tech firms and, and hold them forever uh, in, a, in a buy and hold forever type coffee can portfolio strategy. Uh, this one's going to be hard for us to really quantify, but I think we'll get a very good sense of the sentiment this time next year. Yeah, I mean, we could even just look at QQQ, for example. I mean, they have such a heavy weight in those. Obviously, there's other stocks. It's the uh, PowerShares uh, ETF. But um, I had a question for you regarding that. Do you think some of them, the ones that don't pay a dividend already, they'll start paying a dividend in 2021? I'm thinking here, like Amazon could be a, you know, a, a logical dividend play with uh, <sighs> just pumping yeah. so much cash will just a... a little dividend as a return to shareholders yeah i'm looking at the list here so facebook no apple yes netflix no microsoft yes amazon no google no so oh, the only ones are are apple and microsoft in the fan mag group and there's there's others right like some people have done like uh you know they include visa and mastercard in there in, in, in some ways as well i'm forgetting all the acronyms you can come up with but you know Big, big names, right? And you know what? I look, I think of that question, I think I think Facebook and Google would be the most likely. Netflix is a hard no for Yeah, me. I was going to say Netflix, no they chance. Don't, they don't yeah. generate cash. Yeah. Um, and, and Amazon, I also think, is a hard no. I, I and, and if I was an Amazon shareholder, I wouldn't want them to. I would be, I would be not a fan of that, personally. But... Facebook and Google, so profitable, pump so much cash. I think Google is probably the most likely in that group. I've even, I think last year, I think I might have predicted that, you know, they they would start paying one. Uh, they haven't, but they could, right? Like, 
they definitely could. Here's the thing. Their business is so... We were talking about this earlier offline. The core business generates so much cash and like the financials would look so much better if they only did the core business but they don't like their capital allocation structure is put it into other bets you know trying to grow new business lines and the bear case for google is that they've been pretty bad at it like generating new products and you know innovating new products from scratch outside of you know their core offering has been you know fairly mediocre in some ways uh but they're really, really good at being a gateway to the internet and expanding that moat. They're excellent at that, right? So a lot of people have been wanting them to fo- keep focusing on the core biz, uh, extract value. You know, their financials would massively improve if they weren't lighting cash on fire with other bets. Um, so, I mean, if they did that and they they were they were not doing a capital allocation strategy like they currently are, perhaps capital flows back into buybacks and dividends dividend issue it's i i don't know that but i think they'd be the most likely candidate to answer your question yeah and i think um since ever um the new ceo and the name escapes but i know she um the cfo started at the same time her name is ruth uh, Porat, and i know they've been a bit more strategic since ever they took over in terms of the other bets i think before that uh with the uh the previous ceo it was um they were spending a lot of money in those other bets so i think they're they're being a bit more strategic so i i would agree with you that um dividend it might be in the cards for for google in 2021 there's potential i mean i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked i would be surprised i'll put it this way if i was betting money i'd say they don't uh but i wouldn't i wouldn't be shocked if they do um, so that wraps it up, guys. Simon thinks, uh, you know, alternatives are going through the roof and that Tesla's going to hit one trillion market cap. And here's the thing. He's probably going to be right. That's, a, here, but here's, here's also the thing. We could both be right because it could hit one trillion market cap and then the evaluations completely implode. You know, like that's also, we could both be correct on this one. Oh yeah, exactly. And uh, one thing I wanted to mention uh, before we wrap up is we, we're aware we um, did not do all the questions we had the last week, so don't worry. The ones we didn't answer, we'll be uh, doing another mailbag episode eventually, like in the probably in the next month or two. So not to worry, we'll get to uh, your question eventually. All right, guys, that does it for this week. We have uh, sounded off on our bold predictions. Simon absolutely crushed it for this year, somehow in a year that no one could predict pretty much anything correctly. Uh, so we'll see how we do next year. Um, I'm really excited to see some, <laughs> this market is, it's, it's getting into that what's going on category right now. So it'll be interesting to see what happens uh, early next year and through the year. But that does it for this episode, guys. Getstockmarket.com brings you to Stratosphere when I talk about growth numbers, when I talk about ratios, you know, price to sales, price to earnings, you know, it's growing the revenue at this much. Their revenue was 2014 was X billion dollars. That's all coming from Stratosphere. Uh, it's a web-based platform. You can look up any company. There's a stock screener. There's my top picks. You know, the businesses I really love would buy here. Uh, they're all there ranked by the Stratosphere score. There's a community where you can ask questions. 
that all exists. And you can go on and try it. No credit card required for 14 days right now. If it brings you to Stratosphere by going to getstockmarket.com because that's much easier to remember. Uh, and we'll see you next week, guys. Thanks. Bye-bye. The Canadian investor is not to be taken as investment advice. Braden or Simon may own securities mentioned on this podcast. Always make sure to do your own research and due diligence before making investment decisions.